Tonight is our April prophecy update. A lot of stuff going on right now in our world, and especially in the Middle East, and so we're going to be touching on that tonight. But uh, let's begin here reading in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus, now just pause there for a second. So right there gives us the context of what Matthew chapter 24 is about. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? When are these things going to be happening, they're wondering. And Jesus answered them, verse 4, and said, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, You just pause there for a moment, and if you like to write in your Bible where it says the beginning of sorrows, that can literally be translated birth pains. And and Jesus is giving a very interesting analogy here that he's likening these events and these things that would be happening leading up to the time of his coming and the end of the age, that it would be like a woman when she is pregnant. And we know that when a woman is pregnant and getting closer to the time of delivery of that baby, what happens to the contractions that she's having? Well, those contractions, you ladies who have had babies know this, those contractions become more frequent and they become more intense. And so although there has always been wars and rumors of wars and, excuse me, (coughs) and these various kind of things... Um, Jesus says that that we're going to see in the last days there's going to be an increase in the frequency of these things and the intensity. And so one of the signs that he mentions here that I want to talk about tonight is this increase of wars and rumors of wars. And I want you to notice that he mentions there nations rising against nations. In other words, he's not talking about little skirmishes here. He's talking nations, and then he says, and kingdoms rising against kingdoms. And so right away, I think that you know, this brings some you know, to our mind what happened a little over a year ago in February of, of 2022 when we saw Russia invade Ukraine. And isn't it crazy that that war still is continuing to this very day? But it's interesting, at the time of that, this was a headline um, that, what, that was given by George Soros. He, he said this, and if you don't know who he is, he's a kind of a, a major political player and, and guys that people are you know, looking to as being a kind of a, in, a player in these last days on the political uh, realm. And he said, Ukraine's invasion might be the start of the third world war that could spell the end of modern civilization. And so the invasion of Ukraine, he said, didn't come out of the blue. He said, the world has been increasingly engaged in a struggle between two systems of governance that are diametrically opposed to each other, open society and closed society. And he said that this started really at 9-11, but that the two biggest threats right now to open society are Russia and China. But it's interesting that when you know, he said when this broke out, he said this could be the start to World War III, and he's not alone 
in that opinion. There are many others who have been wondering the same thing. We've talked about this in past prophecy updates that all over Europe right now, they're wondering what is going to happen and what is going to be the outcome and who's going to get dragged into this battle that's taking place. That that from the very beginning, there has been a sense that this battle between Russia and Ukraine is the start of something that is going to be on a much bigger scale. And then we look at what's happening out in the South Pacific, where China right now is surrounding Taiwan. And this was a headline um, a week or so ago that Taiwan warns that a Chinese misstep could lead to uncontrollable world war outbreak. Here's another Another place in the world where they're saying this could be leading to another world war. And so Taiwan is sounding an alarm over Chinese military drills that it says could mistakenly spark an uncontrollable war that would draw in countries from around the world. And so they're... Foreign Minister Joseph Wu told Fox News on Sunday that the Chinese military exercises these last couple of days have been very, very serious. And he says that with their air force and together with their ships, they're coming very, very close to Taiwan. And he said any accident, any misstep could spark an uncontrollable War. Now, the U.S. and the Philistines are taking this very, very seriously. This was another headline, U.S. and Philippine military exercise to be the largest ever amid rising tensions with Taiwan, that about 12,000 U.S. troops and 5,400 uh, uh, Philippine forces, along with 100 Australian military members, are set to participate in the largest exercises that have ever taken place in that region and it's all because of this tension that's happening right now between china and taiwan and then there was this headline where the 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 chinese carrier the shandong i think that's how you say it launched 80 fighter missions in weekend drills so china is gearing up right now about what's happening there with taiwan and then you throw north korea into the mix. And their leader, Kim Jong-un, has ordered their country to become very much more on the offensive as they gear up for a possible war with South Korea and the United States. So things are happening right now all over the globe. Major nations, major kingdoms, and we're reading what Jesus said would be happening in Matthew chapter 24, leading up to the times of uh, you know, his coming, these times that would signal us being in the last days, that there would be these wars and rumors of wars amongst nations and kingdoms, but the most alarming news that's taking place is hap- that, and as it relates prophetically is to what's happening right now coming out of Iran in, in recent weeks. This was a headline. Monday in uh, the Iran front page, the Iran army chief says Israel is too small to pose a threat to the Islamic Republic. Iran's army chief has slammed comments by the chief of staff of the Israeli military that the regime is ready to attack Iran without the help of the U.S. on an updated scale. So that one of the Israeli leaders says, we don't need the U.S.'s help. We're ready to go against Iran. And they fired back and said, Israel's having problems right now. Israel's too small, and, and this was the quote from, from their general, the Iranian general, Mosavi said, the Zionist regime, which is sinking, and the indications of its collapse are now evident more than ever before, is too small to pose a threat to the Islamic Republic of Iran, and the unwise and unsound moves by the leaders of the regime will only speed up its collapse Unquote. And this is really the first time 
that Iran's officials have used this kind of rhetoric in describing Israel. Because Israel's defense forces have been really respected throughout the world as a premier fighting force, but that opinion is starting to change because there is so much upheaval happening in Israel right now. This was on April 5th. Iran's supreme leader uh, says, Israel's demise is coming faster than I expected. Iran's supreme leader, the Ali Khamenei, told local leaders on Tuesday that the Zionist regime was disappearing faster than he had anticipated amid internal Israeli divisions over the government's controversial judicial overhaul. He said this, quote, their own officials continuously warn of their, that their collapse is nearing. Their president says this. Their former prime minister says this. Their military chief says this. And their defense minister says this. They all say it, Kamini said. And this was a recent headline from an ex-Israel defense intel chief. He said, the overall damage to Israel's national security may be irreversible. Former military intelligence chief, Major General uh, Tamir Heyman, said that he no longer trusts Benjamin Netanyahu's judgment on matters of security after the prime minister's attempt to fire Yavav uh, Gallant as the defense minister. Tamir says he no longer thinks that Netanyahu is thinking rationally right now, and he's not alone in his opinion. So this was another headline. Crisis on multiple fronts threatened Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, grip on power. It says dozens of former senior defense security intelligence officials have opposed the proposals weakening the Supreme Court on the grounds that they are anti-democratic. Israel's crucial military reservists, including almost, get this, almost all of those serving in its most important Air Force unit, have joined the nationwide protest and said that they will refuse to attend for service, setting alarm bells ringing over the reliability of the chain of command and the operational capacity. So crazy things are happening right now in Israel. And you add that to everything, if you've been paying attention to this, all the upheaval that's been taking place on the Temple Mount over the last several days where there have been um, just wide skirmishes and the Israeli police have gone in and they've, they've you know, kind of manhandled some of the Arab worshipers there on the Temple Mount area and... Netanyahu's support is re- it just continues to crumble. And I, I have never, ever seen this in my lifetime, this type of disdain and this type of resistance for a leader in Israel, especially one of Netanyahu's um, stature. I mean, he has been somebody that they have praised. You know, Bibi, they call him. He just, you know, that he was like just held in such regime, but such high esteem but that is beginning to crumble and you know by his own people uh, there's just this growing disdain um, that they have for him what is do you have that picture of the crowd oh there it is that one yeah do you see do you see that where it says crime minister instead of prime minister I mean, this is, this is, and that's a lot of people gathering in protest against their leader. This kind of thing doesn't happen in Israel. And, and then if you see, there's a picture of Pharaoh there, and it's, you know, the statement from Exodus, let my people go. I mean, this is, this is the mindset right now in Israel. And so all of this unrest and all of this upheaval over the past month or so has them in a very vulnerable position. And Iran and the surrounding Arab countries are seeing this as a potential opportunity to pounce, and they're taking that opportunity. This was clear back in March. In March 18th, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad leaders met with the Hezbollah leader, Nazarah. So these are two terrorist organizations, okay? Hezbollah is one terrorist organization. The Islamic Jihad leaders, um, uh, that's another terrorist organization. And I bet you didn't know that terrorists had conventions. 
So they're, they're meeting together here for, an, for a convention, all right, you know, to discuss what's happening, you know, in the world. And it says, during the meeting, they discussed the situation in the area and the challenges in the face of the Palestinian rebellion, and they emphasized the continuation of the constellation and coordination between them in a way that strengthens the rebellion against the Zionist enemy. So they get together and they're strategizing on how they can come against Israel. And then Iran kickstarts, this was a a headline that just came out this past week, a multi-front Middle East war against Israel. This is what happened just last week, that a week of attacks on Israel, including, now get this, rockets being fired from Lebanon, from Gaza, and from Syria. So they're getting it from three fronts right now. Israel is being attacked right now as we speak. Israel is under attack from these groups. And this is a manifestation of the Iranian strategy to confront Israel with multiple threats from different fronts. And although different groups may be behind these attacks, Iran is behind all of them because Iran for years has been supplying these terrorist groups with weapons, with political support, with rockets, with, with ammunitions. And these groups include Hamas, uh, Hezbollah, and the Islamic Jihad. These terrorist groups that are being funded and supported by Iran. And it's interesting that Hamas, they had these kind of crummy rockets a while ago that could only shoot like a few kilometers. Now they have rockets that have been supplied by Iran that can shoot all the way into Israel, that can reach almost every single part of Israel today. So Iran has also supplied the Islamic Jihad group with thousands of rockets. Now before all of this started last week, a Jewish Middle East expert, Dr. Mordecai Kedar, predicted that Iran was planning a multi-front attack on Israel. Dr. Kedar is a senior lecturer at the Bar Elam University and vice president of New Israel, and he served for 25 years in the Israeli defense military intelligence, specializing in Syria, Arab political discourse, Arab mass media, Islamic groups, and Israeli-Arab relations. He is considered an expert on the Muslim Brotherhood and other Islamic groups. He is fluent in Hebrew, Arab, English, and has debated Muslims on Arab media in Arabic. On Sunday, Dr. Kabar published an op-ed article describing a shocking, he called it a shocking security situation developing in the region that represents a dire threat to Israel. And before he began, he, he, he started with this disclaimer. He says, a note to my readers, I hesitated quite a bit debating whether to publish the things that appear below because of the panic that they may cause in Israel. But then he said this, however, a source I have known for years, an expatriate from the Middle East, a supporter of Israel who lives in Europe and is continuous contact with the people of Iran and Iraq, conveyed to me his assessment that Iran is planning to launch a combined attack on Israel in the foreseeable future that will include all the forces at its disposal in the Arab countries. Well, that has happened. What he predicted was going to happen a a week ago started like the next day where Iran started to unleash these different groups from Lebanon, Gaza, and Syria coming against Israel. Now, what's the significance of all this? Well, there are two battles that the Bible says will be happening in the last days. In these two battles, we need to make sure that we don't confuse the two. Sometimes people do. One of the battles is what we read about in the book of Revelation, as well as in several of the minor prophet books. They talk about this battle that has been known as the Battle of Armageddon. 
And the battle of Armageddon actually takes place in a valley called the Valley of Megiddo there in Israel. When we go to Israel, we actually go to a spot that overlooks this vast valley and it describes these these nations coming together against Israel in that valley and God is going to intervene on Israel's behalf. Well, the battle of Armageddon, if you if you if you you might want to take notes on this. The battle of Armageddon is when the Antichrist is leading the nations of the the world to really come against Jesus Christ at his second coming and Jesus wipes them out. Okay? That's the battle of Armageddon, okay? But there's another battle that is that the Bible describes will take place in the last days that also happens in Israel, and that is the battle that is talked about in Ezekiel chapter 38. So if you haven't turned there yet, turn to Ezekiel chapter 38. The battle of Armageddon takes place at the second coming of Christ, at the end of the tribulation time. The battle of Ezekiel chapter 38 could happen at any time, but I'm going to tell you why I think it happens after the rapture in just a few moments. But let's talk about what this battle is Um, in Ezekiel chapter 38. The prophet Ezekiel describes a battle that will happen in the last days where Russia will join with a group of Islamic nations led by Iran to come against Israel. And the prophet Ezekiel describes this as a massive display of military force coming against Israel, but God, in this battle as well, intervenes supernaturally on Israel's behalf. Let's begin reading here in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 38. He says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tabul. Now, pause there for a moment. Here we see that in God's restoration of Israel, Ezekiel sees a picture of something that is happening in the last days. Ezekiel 36 and 37 deal with the restoration of Israel. Israel becoming a nation again. God bringing the dry bones of the nation back to life again. That's Ezekiel chapter 36. But in Ezekiel chapter 38, he sees this this massive group of armies coming against Israel, and he describes it that it's being led by this ruler, Gog, and and Gog is ruling over a place, an area, Magog. So Gog is a ruler, Magog is the place of Gog, and here Gog is noted as the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tabul. Now the phrase prince of Rosh has also been translated chief prince. So it describes the greatness of this prince, that he is a supreme ruler. Now, Rosh has been identified by many, many scholars as being Russia, and Meshach could be Moscow, and Tobol could be Tobolsk, which are two major Russian cities. If you'll notice in the text, it mentions that this group comes in verse 6 and verse 15, that this army that's led by Rosh, that's led by Gog, coming from the prince of Rosh, that it comes from the north the farthest most parts of the north. And if you were in Jerusalem and and you headed in the direction of the far north, it would take you to Russia. The far north of Jerusalem is Russia. Daniel chapter 11 uses this term as well, that the king of the north to describe the commander of this alliance. So the question that a lot of people have is, is, is this, is, is Vladimir Putin, is, is he Rosh? Is he Gog? Is he the leader, this prince? We don't know. But it definitely, if he, he could be, but, but if he's not, it's going to be a leader like him coming out of Russia. 
So again, it says, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tobol, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tobol, and I will turn you around and put hooks into your jaws and lead you out with all of your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields and all of them handling swords. Now pause right there for just a moment. I want to just first of all mention that when God says, notice he says, I'm against you, Gog. He's not against Russia. He's not against the Russian people. There are many, many people in Russia who are precious people that love God and, and know God. And, and there are people in Russia that need to know God. No, who's the, the, the one that God is against, and we need to be praying for the people of Russia. I mean, they're going through just horrendous things right now um, since you know, Putin has led them into this battle against Ukraine. No, the Lord is against this leader. The Lord is against this army. And the Lord is drawing, and this is a key thing that you need to see, the Lord is drawing actually this, this leader and this army out of Russia and into the Middle East and into you know, the, the land of Israel where he's going to destroy them. It's interesting. So he says here, Verse 4, I will turn you around and put hooks into your jaw and lead you out with your, all your army and your horses and your horsemen splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields and all of them handling swords. And then he says, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them and all of them with shields and helmet, Gomer and all of its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north and all of its troops, many people come with you. This is an amazing prophecy that Ezekiel sees over 2,500 years ago events that would, would occur there in Israel and that would involve Russia and the army and the leader of Russia. Now, who's going to join Russia in this um, alliance? Well, he mentions Magog. Magog was one of, the, of Noah's grandsons. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 10 or 1 Chronicles chapter 1 verse 5. And many scholars believe that the descendants of Noah's grandson settled around the area of the Black and Caspian Seas, which is on Russia's southern border. Today, these regions make up what's called the Stan countries. You've heard of Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan and Up, uh, 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 um, yes, Uzbekistan, uh, Turkmenistan, uh, Tajikistan, and perhaps even Afghanistan. What's interesting is all of these were former constituents of the Soviet Union, or they were part of the land of Rosh, in other words. Now, what unites the 60 million residents of this region today is that it's all largely Islamic. All of these Stan countries are largely Islamic. So this is interesting. It's interesting thing to note that when you consider that the other nations mentioned here in Ezekiel 38, you have Persia. Persia is Iran today. Okay. You have Ethiopia. This is not the same as modern Ethiopia, but this represented the land south of Egypt. Today, this would be Sudan. Okay. You have Libya, which is still known as Libya today. You have Gomer, which could be Crimea, or others believe this is a part of modern Turkey. And then you have Togarma, which is Turkey. And the significance of all of those nations, like the Stan nations, is that they are heavily Muslim in their religion and in their belief. And what's really interesting is that the relationship that Russia has to all of these nations, that Russia has connected itself to all of these Islamic nations when Islam isn't a big thing in Russia. That's really kind of interesting to me. But this was another headline 
It read, Echoes of Ezekiel 38, Putin declares partnership with Islam in new world order. This was back in 2022, that the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, sent a message of greeting to the participants and guests of the 2022 Kazam Global Youth Summit as it opened in Kazam. He said this, Islamic states have been our traditional partners in addressing many topical issues on the regional and global agenda in attempts to build a more just and democratic world order. So here we have the leader of Russia linking himself to these Islamic nations under the guise of of creating a new world order. And we've talked about in previous prophecy updates how Russia has been supplying Iran for years with military weapons, with military training, with um, nuclear capabilities. Russia has been coming alongside Iran in all of these ventures, and Iran takes all of these supplies and all of this training, and then they fund it to all of these terrorist groups. And so it's just this you know, kind of funnel coming down from Russia where it's supplying all these groups and all these, this hostility that is directed toward Israel. We've also talked about how Russia right now has a pretty large presence of military battleships in the Mediterranean Sea, and they have several warships right now off the coast of Syria that are within striking distance of Israel. Iran has also been in um, talks with Russia in you know just recent months of nuclear talks with them. And Netanyahu, he, he came out not too long ago and said, if Iran gets nuclear capabilities, the whole world, not just Israel, is going to be in trouble. And the United States sees this as a major threat because right now, you might not have noticed, but we have deployed a nuclear sub into the Middle East because of the tension happening right now in Iran. So things are heating up. I mean, it's getting kind of crazy what's happening in that part of the world. And here we sit today and we're, you know, we're out drinking our coffees today and not thinking about it. And on the other side of the world, craziness is happening. We have to wake up. We have to be aware of what's happening in our world. So My point in all of this is that the players are in place. The stage is being set for what Ezekiel prophesied would happen in the last days. Now, I want you to notice in verse 4 that that God says, I'm going to put hooks into the jaw of Gog. I'm putting hooks into your jaw. I'm, I'm leading you in. I'm drawing you into this. And people have wondered, what could be the hook? that God uses to draw Russia in to this. Well, somebody said it. One of it could be oil. Another one could be natural gas. Another one could be the, the minerals in the, in the Dead Sea. As part of it could be Russia's attempt. We talked about this at a previous uh, prophecy update. Russia's attempt to, to rebound from the, the whooping that they're getting right now by Ukraine. You know, that's kind of like, okay, we got to pivot and we got to, you know, get some power again. Where's power? Where's influence? Where's wealth, the oil, the natural gas in Israel? You know, there was a headline, we talked about this, of how um, they were asking just a couple months ago, can Israel become Europe's natural gas supplier? Well, just think, if Russia was able to get a hold of the oil and the natural gas that's in Israel, how they could really control, we think gas is high now, they, they could control the gas pipelines all over the world essentially. It's crazy. And they would become very, very rich in doing so. So this could be the hooks in the jaw that God is using to draw Russia in to this battle. The motivation of all these other Muslim nations, though, led by Iran, is that they have a hatred for Israel. They have a hatred for the people of Israel. 
that it, Iran refuses to even acknowledge that Israel today is a real nation. Do you know that if you, if you were in the Middle East today, if you were in Iran and you were to look at a map of the Middle East in Iran, do you know that Israel doesn't exist on their map? Isn't that crazy? There's just a blank there. Like they, they, don't, they don't acknowledge Israel's existence. And they have been for years threatening to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Now notice it says there in verse 4, God says, I'm going to draw you in with all of your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. This is what's happening here. Ezekiel is using the terminology of his day to describe an army that this massive and, and very powerful army that is coming. This was a large and, and well-equipped army ready for conquest. And this is what he's describing. It's splendid. It's, it's well-stocked. And God is going to draw this alliance of nations into this invasion of Israel, but God is going to intervene on Israel's behalf and give them a great victory. In fact, let's skip down to verse 14. Notice how God describes this. He says, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, Thus says the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? And in a sense, Israel does dwell safely today in, in the sense that you know, they have a, a good defense um, you know, army and they have their their iron dome and they have you know there's a safety in the sense that they are well fortified in themselves there's not a safety in the sense that they are always under attack but there there is a safety in the sense that they're you know not in a place where they have been in in you know years past in their history where they were much more vulnerable position so he says, they'll, they'll, my people will dwell safely. Then you will come from your place out of the far north, and you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army, and you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. And it will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land. Notice that, in the latter days. So that nation may know me when I am hallowed in you. O God, before their eyes, thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I will bring you against them. So God says, at an appointed time, Gog and those allied with him will come against Israel. Notice in verse 16, it says that they'll come like a cloud. That's a picture of a massive, unstoppable storm. That's what this picture, this army looks like, this massive, unstoppable storm to cover the land. And notice again in verse 16, it says, and it will happen in the latter days. That's a clue. He's king in here. That once again, Ezekiel emphasized that this attack against Israel would happen in the last days of human history as we presently know it. In the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me. God's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to do this so that the world, the nations can see who I am. As God would bring this victory, and really glorifying himself amongst the, the nations. And I want you to notice that God describes here the way that this is going to happen, that there will be a supernatural display of power that takes out this army. Look at verse 18. And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. 
For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. So there's an earthquake that's a part of this. So that the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down, and the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all of my mountains, says the Lord, the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. The idea there that there's going to be such an upheaval supernaturally, like we've seen in the Old Testament, that the army, this massive army, starts turning on one another. They start killing each other. And I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed, and I will rain down on him and his troops and on all the many peoples who are with him. Flooding rain and great hailstones. Again, supernatural disasters that seem like natural disasters are a part of this. God bringing hailstones and fire and brimstone taking place. And thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be known in the eyes of many nations and then they shall know that I am the Lord. It's heavy. This is a heavy thing that the Bible is describing will be happening at this time. And God says, I'm going to do this so that the nations of the world, but here's what's interesting. Remember Egypt? Remember the pestilences, the plagues that God brought on Egypt? And that definitely got Egypt's attention, right? They definitely came to realize that Okay, Israel's God is stronger than our God. But isn't it interesting how that didn't last? Isn't it interesting how, you know, Egypt doesn't become this nation of God followers? Because that's the way our world is. That's the way people are in our world. And I think this will be the same way. It's just the, the hardness in the heart of man. So the question is, when is this going to happen? Ezekiel lays out this scenario that we're seeing, the, what I would call the precursor of it happening right now. All these nations, these Islamic nations, Russia, Iran, these you know, uh, other nations coming together and there's this, this hostility against Israel and we see the, 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 the stage we could say is being set. When is this going to happen? Could it happen now? It could. It could happen tomorrow. But I believe, like many other Bible scholars, that this battle will take place shortly after the rapture of the church. And this is why. There are several factors that need to take place before the Antichrist comes into power. Now, if you're familiar with Bible prophecy, you know that we read in the book of Revelation as well as in the book of Daniel that in the last days there is going to be a, a man, a world leader who is going to come on the scene. And he's going to bring the world together. This guy is known in the Bible as the Antichrist. He's going to be this charismatic leader that is going to bring into power a one-world government, a one-world monetary system, and a one-world religion. There's going to be three facets of his rule. That seems very, very far-fetched on a lot of in a lot of realms today that we think you know could that really really happen could there really be you know a one world religion a one world government and a, a one world monetary system but the bible describes that this is going to take place but in order for that to happen i think there are several things that have to happen first We've talked about this in our study of 2 Thessalonians, that one of the first things that would have to happen is that the church, 
who Paul describes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the one who restrains would have to be taken out of the way. And I believe that that happens at the rapture. That it's the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ that we are the one who is restraining. We're, the, we're salt and light in this world today. We're the ones who are standing up for morality. We're the ones that stand up and say, hey, you can't teach this in our schools. We're the ones that are standing up and saying, hey, this, this is wrong. We're that restraining force right now in the world. And that's why we need to be vocal. That's why we need to be salt and light. That's why we need to be standing for righteousness. That's why we need Christians on school boards and you know Christians as mayors and Christians in political places. We, we need that because that's part of our, our mandate. That's part of our mission of being salt and light in the world. But the Bible says that before the Antichrist comes into play, Paul said that there's one who restrains. I think that's the Holy Spirit working in the life of the church that we're going to be removed. And that's going to give him an open door, an opportunity that this restraining force of the church is, is taken out of the way. So that's the first thing. And I think that happens at the rapture. The rapture is when Jesus comes not to the earth, but to the clouds. And the Bible says that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that the church is caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And he takes us to heaven. That's the event that we are waiting for to take place. I think the second thing that would need to happen in order for an antichrist person to come into power is that the United States would have to be weakened. And I think that will happen at the rapture. Because there is, aside from China, but China's population is so vast that when the Christians and and the church in China is so underground that when the, the Christians... Are, are taken and raptured, China won't be affected like we will be. Here in the United States, because there are so many Christians here in the United States, when the rapture happens, I mean, just imagine millions upon millions of American people suddenly gone. It's going to cause our country to just have to turn inward and, and to take care of all the upheaval that will take place from that. So, the United States will be radically crippled, I believe, when the rapture happens. And I think that's one of the reasons why when you read Bible prophecy, it's very, very interesting that this superpower of the United States is not mentioned in Bible prophecy. Why? Something happens to us. Do we get nuked? Could be. But I think the rapture is a far better explanation to that. The third thing that needs to happen here in Ezekiel chapter 38 is that Israel is standing alone. Israel is standing alone in this battle. That's one of the things that's interesting about it is that um, in the verses we didn't read, it talks about how no one is standing with Israel during this battle, and we are Israel's biggest ally even though that is um, you know, changing by the day, especially in this present administration. But you know, again, the rapture it would, would cause the America to be so weakened that we wouldn't be able to add help to them. So that's another aspect to this. But the fourth thing I think that needs to take place before the Antichrist could come into play is that Islam has to be weakened. And what would weaken Islam, the whole Islamic mentality, than to see all of these major nations in Islam radically defeated supernaturally by God during this battle? I think that that is going to be one of the things that causes Muslim people all over the world to take notice and to wake up and to really wonder what is going on. But we're talking about some major nations here in the Islamic realm that are going to be destroyed during this battle. And the reason why I say Islam has to be taken out is because there are two groups right now in the world that would not go for a one world religion. Christianity is one and Islam is the other. 
So something is going to have to happen in those two realms before the Antichrist can come into power. So everything I think that we're seeing right now over in Israel is merely a precursor. It's the setup for this event. I think this region is being primed right now for this battle to happen. I think Israel is being primed right now like never before to accept a new leader. They're calling for it. They're crying out for a, there's a, in the minds of so many people in Israel, there's a leadership void. And that's interesting. Because the other thing that the Bible talks about is that the tribulation time, it's divided into two, three and a half year periods. If you've ever wondered why, why is, why does the Bible distinctly talk about that there are these two, three and a half year periods that make up the seven year tribulation? Well, this is the answer to that question. And you, you should know this. You should get this down. The first three and a half years, the Antichrist is at peace with Israel. In the first three and a half years, the Antichrist helps them rebuild their temple. This is what we read about in Daniel chapter 9. We know that the temple in Jerusalem that doesn't exist right now and all the turmoil about you know who owns and who possesses and who has the rights to the temple mount, that, that's the most... Uh, disputed piece of real estate in the world today, the Temple Mount in Israel. But we read in Daniel chapter 9, Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 24, that there is going to be an event that takes place in the middle of the tribulation time where the Antichrist goes into the temple. There's no temple there right now, but it's going to be rebuilt. And I think the, the, most scholars believe that that's one of the things that, that, that the Antichrist is going to do. And the re- reason why the Jewish people are going to accept him is he's going to find a way for the Arabs and the Israelis to coexist on the Temple Mount. And he's going to rebuild their temple. And for the first three and a half years, they're like, we love this guy, and he's awesome, and, and he's our hero, and he's our Messiah, and that, that's going to be their mentality about the Antichrist. The first three and a half years, he's at peace with Israel. He's causing a lot of craziness in other parts of the world, but first three and a half years, he's at peace with Israel, but then in the middle of that three and a half, that, uh, at the end of that first three and a half years, the middle of the seven year He goes into the temple and commits what Jesus describes, Daniel describes as the abomination of desolation, where he goes into their temple and he desecrates it and he demands to be worshipped by God. And then the Jews realize this this is not the Messiah. He's not who we thought we were. And so the second three and a half years, the Antichrist is at war with Israel. And all hell breaks loose for the people of Israel. So it's interesting right now to me, all of the upheaval going on in Israel right now and all of the, the unrest and the, all of the, the, the just sense in Israel of where they are just upset with Benjamin Netanyahu and, and so many people do not want him to be the prime minister anymore. Israel is primed right now to accept a new leader to come on the scene. But again, I believe before that can happen, God's got to take his church out. He's got to take us out of here. So that means we could be very, very close to the Lord coming for his church. And that's why Jesus said this in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. When you see these things begin to happen, look up. Lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. I want you to note that. He doesn't say, when you see these things begin to happen, freak out. When you see these things begin to happen, get scared. When you see these things begin to happen, go buy weapons and guns because you're going to have to defend yourselves. 
No, he says, look up. Because your, your redemption draws near. It's like, guys, look up. I'm coming. I'm coming. Now, I say this every single time we have a prophecy update. The purpose of these prophecy updates and the purpose of Bible prophecy is not to produce within us an escapist mentality. It's not to produce within us this like, okay, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Just get us out of here, Jesus. We want the Lord to come. And we want to be ready for him to come. But the thing that God wants us all to desperately understand is this. That while we are here, we have a mission to accomplish. We have work to do. We're called to be his ambassadors. And when we read things like this, and you know what? War is horrific. This is kind of heavy tonight, what we're talking about, because we're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in this massive army getting killed. We're talking about a horrific massacre. We're talking about God pouring out his wrath on on these nations coming against Israel. And, that, and that's sad when you think about it because that's a lot of people that are going to be spending eternity in hell, separated from, from God. And when the rapture happens, there's a lot of people left here on earth that are going to go through the tribulation time, people that we know, people that we work with, people in our families. And so this should produce within us a a burden it should produce within us not not a an attitude of like well at least i'm getting out of here you know too bad for you but it should it should create within us a, a sense of man i don't want any of my friends i don't want any of my loved ones i don't want any people around me to go through that and to miss out and so when we see these things happening in the world and we see these things happening in Israel and we see, you know, all, I mean, it's crazy to think about that. I, I read two different headlines from two different, you know, parts of the world that, that are saying we could be on the verge of World War III. It's crazy to think about because war is evil and war is horrific and There's been a lot of people that have been killed in the war between Russia and Ukraine. Sad. As well as the hundreds of thousands of people that have been displaced. And it's so important, church, that we don't sit here in our safe little America and just think like, oh, that's way over there and we're here and and we forget that yes, it's, you know, praise God, we live in a, what I still call, I mean, it's going downhill fast, but it's still the best country in the world. And I've been to, I think, 32 different countries. And believe me, this is the best. But we're here to be God's ambassadors. We're here to be on mission. We're here to be doing the business of Jesus and telling people about the hope that we have. And we need to be recognizing that people around us, they're concerned. And all China has to do is just push a couple of buttons and it turns our whole economy upside down. And then we're going to feel it. And there's going to be people that are just like, Freaking out. But Peter says about us is that we have this hope because we know everything. And this is the key. This is, you take anything from the night, this is the key. Everything that we're seeing, God told this prophet Ezekiel, this would be happening in the last days. It's a part of my plan. It's a part of my plan. So don't lose sight of that and understand that we've got to be on mission with Jesus. 
Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the sure word of prophecy. We thank you, Lord, that as we look at and we see these things that are happening in the world that are, are so lining up with what you told Ezekiel would be happening over 2,500 years ago. And Lord, I pray for us as your church that we would be awakened to the reality of the days that we're living in. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be stirred to understand why we're here. That if we are indeed the last generation of believers living here on planet earth prior to the rapture what a privilege that is that you've given us to be that group that stands for you in these last days that gets to preach the good news of the gospel of jesus christ and lord i pray that every single one of us would take that to heart and take advantage of the opportunities that we have to tell people that you love them, that you want a relationship with them. And Lord, I pray for anybody here tonight who maybe is in this place and doesn't have a relationship with you. God, I pray tonight that that they would cry out to you And if that's you tonight, I just want to encourage you right now in the quietness of your heart to just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner and I want you to forgive me. I I, I want to be part of your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray that you would stir us up in these days. In Jesus' name, amen.